risks tend to amplify your rewards right uh, you should actively take risks where the downside is uh, limited but the upside is it could be infinite there's a greek word called meraki which is which goes beyond enjoyment right in the pursuit of whatever you're doing and i think it's important to have soul in the game for steve jobs you know the panel that nobody really sees you know when you dismantle your uh, uh, pc or whatever the inside of that panel was as important as the aesthetics of the outside right i mean that is an example of soul in the game hey listeners welcome to 10x growth strategies podcast this is your host preeti padmanabhan technology executive investor and board member today we will feature the book skin in the game by author nasim nicholas talib our guest today is roshan kariappa vp of marketing at wimo the number one sales engagement platform for financial institution welcome roshan to the 10x growth strategies podcast yeah great to be here uh, preeti thank you so much uh, for the invite wonderful well you tell us about yourself or your career journey and highlights sure uh, uh, so i had marketing for a company called wimo it's an enterprise saas company and uh, we have a product that is used by frontline folks in banks and insurance companies so think of it as an app that your insurance agent or relationship manager will use to plan schedule be more productive in their day and also interact with their customers more meaningfully uh, we work with uh, some of the largest banks and insurers across asia us and japan I've been with the company for about six years now. It's been a fun ride. Okay. <laughs> I was an entrepreneur before this, um, wearing a slightly different hat. Uh, we were building products for families and kids. Uh, the Qualcomm Vuforia platform had come out that time, and we were fascinated by virtual reality and what is possible. Um, uh, unfortunately, we severely underestimated uh, what it takes to build a consumer internet company. I would say, and uh, I've spent the last fifteen years uh, in startups uh, across sales, product, and marketing. Uh, I've pretty much been the only business guy in a room full of engineers, so that's my story. Wow, wonderful listeners! You're up for a treat here. Well, I really enjoyed hearing about your entrepreneurial journey. We'll dig into that more. Sure. Uh, believe it or not, we have a lot of parallels because I started yeah. tried to start two or three companies, miserably failed there too. But I'm looking forward to hear your journey and exciting to hear about some of the things you're going to share as part of the book. But let's get started. You're a big Talib fan. Oh yeah, of course. Right? Uh, tell us more about what attracts you to his books and do you have a favorite book of Talib? Yes. Um so my first uh, impressions of Talib weren't that great. I read uh, Black Swan way back when when it came out first and uh, about 50 pages into it I mean I kind of gave up, right? I mean I thought, hey, what is to this, right? I mean, yes there are white swan events and yes there is a black swan what is the big deal about this and I, that was that you know i mean i never bothered about talib until 2016 or so when uh, i started seeing him on twitter uh, and he's got a fantastic uh, twitter profile you know i mean uh, he is he doesn't hold back uh, right and i started reading his essays on medium and a few things appealed to me right so one is that he is not your conventional philosopher uh, he's been a, a trader he's been a finance guy uh, right and uh, he is sort of investigating this from a real world perspective investigating ethics uh, and tying it to practicalities of daily life right which i find really appealing and uh, 
just the way he writes you know uh, he has all of these different characters called fat tony and uh, nero and all of these folks uh, right it makes it very relatable he can talk about all of these uh, timeless concepts in a way that uh, you know perhaps your uh, very interesting slightly drunk uncle would talk to you about <laughs> right uh, uh, so uh, i picked up skin in the game um, somewhere uh, i think around 2017 2018 maybe uh and uh, it just hit me you know it's like one of those experiences where you know you you pick up a book that kind of gets you you yeah. know and and also the the interesting thing about talib is his is not a book you read page to page right cover to cover i mean his is a book that you have to read reflect and practice mm. uh really so i you know i i tend to race through pages but with uh, skin in the game i mean i made sure i was taking my time Uh, and it took a good amount of time right i mean i should say like maybe four weeks or something to sort of get through the end of that mm-hmm. uh, and it was a fantastic experience uh, right and then i picked up fool by randomness which is his first book in the inserto series which you you see here on the uh, on the desk right mm-hmm. and again that was another fascinating experience i mean you it, it's one of those books again that uh, leaves you completely gobsmacked right you come out of that thinking man i did not understand anything about the world until now uh, which is like it causes this bit of a cognitive dissonance uh, and then you have to put your pieces of your life back together and rearrange uh, rearrange your conceptions of the world right uh, i i sadly i haven't read the other two book, books uh, because you know it it takes that amount of investment to get into it and really feel and experience it uh but i've been meaning to and hopefully you know this is uh, this is just the nudge i need to sort of go out and finish the inserto series that's yeah. amazing well you you seem to be a voracious reader because to you think reading a book in 4 weeks is slow <laughs> oh my god <laughs> then i am like like a caterpillar i'm crawling uh, through no i mean yeah. uh, so i uh, i'm not a voracious reader i'm actually uh, I'm, i'm someone who reads perhaps 10 or 12 15 books a year mm-hmm. max uh and half of those would be purely because of uh, you know uh, because i'm having the author on the podcast uh, or someone i know wrote a fascinating book and you know i have to read it and so on right mm. um, but truly i mean i might pick up like three or four books that i really mean to read mm-hmm. uh, in the year i've been meaning to get that number up but for some reason uh, you know with everything that's happening in my life i think four to five seems to be the average at this point mm-hmm. but yeah i would love for your listeners to suggest uh, you know what i should do to kind of pick up on my average run rate <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know, I'm glad you're here with us and uh, our listeners are going to enjoy hearing your experiences with Talib. My background with Talib came because I was part of Nutanix mm-hmm. and our CEO Dheeraj Pandey was a big fan of Talib okay. and he even invited him to give a talk. Oh wow. Um and uh, so I started with the book Anti-Fragile, uh which was what uh, Dheeraj used to say that we need to make our company that way wherein even yeah. if you have a lot of impacts, you come back even better, even stronger yeah. than what it was before. Yeah. And we I featured Anti-Fragile with one of other good friend of mine uh earlier in the 10x growth strategy series yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is my second talib book and i'm looking forward to also read the fool by randomness book because it looks yeah. like that will be an interesting one too that's a great first book to sort of get into talib i would say uh, and um, you know right after i read that i thought that you know man i should have read skin in the game after i read fool by randomness mm-hmm. uh, it would have given me a so much deeper perspective of things uh, but anti fragile again right i mean is one of those uh, at least i've 
I've known the concept. I've read and researched the concept itself. A fantastic book. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Tell us about what are some of your top takeaways from Skin in the Game. Right. I think it's important to define what Skin in the Game is. Right. Uh, because I think for most people, we think um, Skin in the Game very colloquially means having some kind of an incentive structure. Right. Uh, you perform and you get you know some portion of your variable. Uh, or some kind of a carrot at the end of uh, what you do, right? Um, but skin in the game, as Thaleb defines it, is to have an active disincentive, right? So think of, let's say, investing your own money in the public markets and uh, you pay the price for your decisions, right? You live with the consequences of your actions. Um, and I think uh, if you look at the way the world is set up uh, and if you observe uh, the expert class per se, right? I mean, the people who seem to understand what they're talking about, right? Who look a certain way, who behave a certain way. Uh, and, you know, like Taleb calls, right? Lecturing birds how to fly. If you look at these folks uh, and sort of uh, think about reality very deeply, right? I mean, you somehow feel that there is a bit of a difference uh, and you try to reconcile this difference, right? And and to me, I mean, I've seen this in many different ways, uh, right? I mean, I used to, so I am an imposter, right? Uh, I was not a marketer before uh, my Vimo gig, mm -hmm. uh, right? Uh, so I've been a founder pretty much all my life. Uh, and I've sort of, sort of thought through first principles. And, you know, when I started with Vimo, I always used to think that I'm perhaps missing a trick, uh, right? And you go and read up all the marketing books and you read up all the uh, jargon and buzzwords and everything. And you realize, you know what? My first principles is just fine, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I'll get to this when it has to, when when it eventually does, right? So feel like the first takeaway for me is to be wary of this expert class, mm -hmm. right? Because I think each of us has this sort of an imposter syndrome. We tend to think that maybe there is someone out there who looks a certain way, who behaves a certain way, who is perhaps uh, you know well-read and well-articulated, who uh, has all of the uh, you know uh, all of the things that we should be doing. But I think you should first uh, pass them through that skin in the game filter, right? Do they have an active downside for being wrong, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, you think of economists, for example, who, you know, predict busts uh, or booms or whatever it is, right? And uh, they don't have an incentive, they don't have a disincentive for getting things wrong, right? I mean, you think of someone like Paul Krugman, for example, you know, I just saw a tweet by him that, uh, you know, we've defeated inflation and it's come at a very low cost, right? And you look at the graph that he has uh, plotted, right? I mean, he's, remo he's removed food and shelter from inflation, right? I mean, what else is left, yeah. right? Um, and uh, I mean, he's just one example, right? But uh, the first takeaway is to be sort of wary of the expert class, right? Um, and the second as a follow-up to that is to actively have a downside to getting things wrong, mm. right? Uh, and here I'll give two examples, you know, I mean, I tried to learn Japanese in 2019. I thought, you know, we're, we're expanding to Japan. It would be good to uh, know the language and the culture. And certainly, you know, I learned a bunch of things, but sadly didn't end up learning any good Japanese to be able to converse with people. And then, you know, the second learning was uh, uh, investing in the markets, mm -hmm. right? And here too, you know, I mean, I read all of the books that people suggest, you know, One Upon Wall Street and a bunch of others. And I thought I knew the markets, but really only in the last three to four years when I've actually put my own money and invested and lost money, have I really understood what the markets are, right? Now, if you look at these two learning experiences, um, I might have spent the same amount of time and effort, maybe more trying to learn Japanese, but I feel like I did way better on the investing because I had an active downside. Mm.
so i kind of bring that into uh, my game today like whatever it is mm. right uh, so i've been practicing jiu jitsu and wow. the <laughs> the cost of uh, you know uh, not getting it right in jiu jitsu is that you get punched in the face <laughs> right so that's an active uh, downside you know so so it's good i mean you have to look at it that way right and um, talib talks about this uh, hammurabi's code right which is again simply put if an architect makes a building that collapses and kills the occupants then you know by hammurabi's code the architect is put to death mm. right so it's important to have that kind of uh, symmetry right uh, which is again very different from let's say uh, a banker who makes all of the incentives investing in risky assets but doesn't have to pick up the downside gets a bailout with taxpayer money instead mm. right that's the other type of people that you have to be wary of right the expert class the bureau the bureaucrat class and the people who kind of actively transfer risk and um, i would say the other thing i've kind of learned is to have a sort of an artisanal's mind to whatever it is that you do you know talab calls it soul in the game right i mean there's a greek greek word called meraki which is which goes beyond enjoyment right in the pursuit of whatever you're doing and i think it's important to have soul in the game he talks about how for steve jobs you know the panel that nobody really sees you know when you dismantle your uh, monitor or uh, pc or whatever the inside of that panel was as important as the aesthetics of the outside right i mean that is an example of soul in the game and uh, i try to look back at my work over the year and try to think of uh, you know have i have i just been clocking out uh, things uh, you know in a in sort of a set maniacal fashion or have i really put my soul into it mm-hmm. right um, is this something that i would brag about you know uh, a year down the line five years down the line and 10 years down the line and you know i if i find maybe one or two or three things like that i'm very happy that's something i talk to my team about as well so wow yeah those are Amazing. some of the things uh, so yeah. many good points like if i was to pick up a few of them i i really liked what you talked about in being wary of some of these experts i believe the word was intelligentsia that yeah, yeah. Uh, like you he know he calls them i mean he's he's more brutal right yeah. i mean he, he calls <laughs> them intellectual yet idiot so iyi right? yes yeah. so uh, you know being wary of those folks who don't have a downside if they yeah. make a make a mistake yeah. i think in the tech industry we have quite a bit of uh, you know uh, like uh, disincentivization if we get it wrong yeah. i guess there is still some scope for yeah. taking risks but i think we do have that check and balance checks and balances yeah. for sure because uh, see if you look at startups right i mean the mortality of startups is what 95% or mm-hmm. something of that sort right mm-hmm. uh, it's insane uh, so the system becomes a lot more robust with that kind of mortality right uh and so yeah i mean 100% agree with you right that uh, startups uh, entrepreneurs were in very close contact with uh, reality yeah you know uh, as a marketer it matters less to me what my peers think of me than you know uh, what my prospects think of mm. uh, my work yeah. right yeah. Uh, it matters more to me that i have pipeline and revenue for my company rather than you know some awards and you know facilitate felicitations uh, by my fellow marketers yes certainly i want to dig deeper on one of those uh, some of those points you talked about right you talked about this whole thing of asymmetry and the author also used this term called agency yeah. right tell us more about some of the asymmetries that exist and how does it affect us and have you seen any example 
Uh, I, I spoke about one of the asymmetries, which is, you know, typical uh, the banker type, mm-hmm. types, right? I mean, Taleb, uh, you know, famously calls it the the Bob Rubin trade, right? I mean, Bob Rubin was a famous secretary of uh, uh, finance in the US. Over 10 years, he invested in all kinds of toxic assets uh, as part of, as, as head of a, a major bank in the US and uh, made about 100 million or so. And when the markets went bust, uh, ironically, he called it a black swan event, right? Which Taleb, of course, hates and, uh, uh, you know, made the case for a bailout. I would be wary of that, right? In in summary, asymmetry is uh, heads I win and tails you lose. Yes. Right. I'd be wary of getting into those kind of arrangements. And the thing about Taleb's uh, writing and concepts, these are not arcane, right? These are These are things that happen every day in daily life that you somehow miss. Um, but once you read, reflect and practice what Taleb says, I mean, you're able to catch this. You're able to catch the bullshitters as he calls it, right? Yeah. Uh, so so I'd be wary of asymmetry. And agency is, uh, you know, again, a simple example is when you hire consultants versus when you have, uh, let's say, an employee with, uh, with let's say, ESOPs, right? As in, uh, as in startups, right? Now, the consultant is paid by our and uh, is not in contact with the outcome of their, uh, you know, uh, consulting per se, right? Whereas, I mean, um, uh, as a startup employee, uh, I have nowhere to hide, right? If I run a campaign, it isn't successful, I have to own it, right? Uh, And especially at startups, you know, when you're 50, 100, maybe even 300 or 400 people, there's, there's not much you can hide behind, right? So you have to have active skin in the game, so to speak. And that kind of improves you as well. Uh, so those are yeah a couple of examples. Yeah, I, I love the term you used, the soul in the game too. That was pretty cool. Maybe we should write a book about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good name for a book. Let's talk about a little bit on the whole, uh, you know, aspect of correlation between success and image. Uh, you know, some you also mentioned that just uh, earlier about like sometimes you don't know if somebody appears a certain way is actually really invested in it or is actually the right person to bring part of the team and will help us succeed. So the author says that being perceived as capable is is very important for success. So what are your thoughts on that? Right. So I'll tell you how I use it, right? I'm always wary of the perfect LinkedIn. You know, I'm always wary of a candidate in an interview who gives the answers I'm looking to hear. I'm always wary of that, right? Uh, My bullshit filter, you know, starts beeping, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, When that happens. Uh, right. Only to say that, you know, you have to investigate that a little more. Right. I think perception is real. Right. Perception matters a great deal. I, I've lived through it as well. Uh, I remember, you know, when I wound up my uh, startup and I was looking for a job, I would do all of these elaborate assignments, you know, 10 pages, 12 pages of assignments. People would like it. People would love it. But, you know, there was something holding them back. You know, I, I, I could almost articulate it. That you know you could do the work, but you don't kind ki- ki- you don't quite look like the marketer that we want to hire. Mm, you know, mm. we want that uh, person who's perhaps ex Salesforce or ex Oracle who's run campaigns. Uh, you know that uh, we've seen. I mean, you kind of make sense in your documents, but you don't kind of look like him, right? Mm. Uh, so, so I wasn't given a shot. I mean, I was lucky that the good folks at Vimeo you know took a chance, uh, right? And uh, it paid paid out handsomely for. I, I would like to think the both of us, mm-hmm. uh, right? But uh, that's an example of how perception matters, right? And the other thing is uh, perception sometimes shapes reality as well, right? I mean, if I think you are a capable person 
and uh, I assign some responsibilities to you. And if you are also sincere, hardworking and a deliberate thinker and you make good of those responsibilities, you kind of become capable as mm -hmm. well. Right. So it's not like, uh, you know, you should uh, uh, not worry about perception. Perception is very, very important because it limits your opportunities as well. Yeah. Talib gives this example of, uh, you know, let's say you're comparing two doctors mm -hmm. and both of them are equally credentialed and both of them, you know, come with the same level of expertise. Would you pick the doctor who kind of looks like the Hollywood definition of a doctor, you know, thin rimmed glasses, neatly cropped hair, very, very neat and clean? Or would you pick the doctor who looks like a butcher? And Talib says that you should, one should pick the butcher over the Hollywood uh, doctor because, uh, you know, the butcher has had to overcome all of these biases and perception, right? Um, and that is something that, again, I've tried to incorporate uh, in some of my decision making as well. Yeah, wow, great insight. I mean, you know, it sort of goes against typical human behavior. Yes. Uh, in yeah. fact, like, you know, typically we are so drawn to appearance yeah. Uh, yeah. rather than actual substance. Yeah. Uh, so I love that perspective that you shared uh, so you've been an entrepreneur you mentioned about a couple of companies that you started and and Talib talks about the importance of taking risks and and being an entrepreneur is taking a lot of risk right. so tell us about like you know why that is important to take risks uh, right. in one's life or career right. and uh, what are some of your observations on positive negative from that right uh, so I'm an accidental risk taker right uh, I was naive in 2008 when I joined a startup without knowing any better. I was naive in 2012 when I started my own company without knowing any better. I was naive in 2017 when I joined a enterprise startup without knowing any better. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I can post facto say that, you know, those guys, those have been excellent decisions. But I also go back to this quote. Uh, I mean, I, I was I was. Listening to Ram Karuthuri, who is, um, at one point of time, he was the largest exporter of cut roses, mm -hmm. you know, uh, very interesting story. I mean, your viewers and listeners should definitely check it out. He's an Indian man uh, who went to Africa, right? Uh, and I think even today he owns, he's perhaps the highest landowner in Ethiopia and Kenya and so on, right? Um, thousands, tens of thousands of acres. Uh, right. And uh, I remember he was talking at this NASCOM product conclave and somebody asked him, you know, how did you take this massive risk of owning all of those tens of thousands of uh, acres in, you know, far off Africa without knowing anyone there? And, you know, given how unstable the government uh, and the society can be. And he said, you know what, before I bought the you know 50,000 acres of uh, land, I bought one acre. Mm. Right. And then about 10 and then 10 became 100, right? Mm -hmm. he, he spoke about calibrated risks, mm -hmm. right? And I think a lot of us live in this all or nothing fallacy, which is, uh, which is very harmful, right? Uh, a lot of people come to me and ask me, how do I start up, right? And their definition of startup is to quit their work, you know, in that typical, uh, you know, uh, Silicon, Valley, Silicon style. Valley style, right? <laughs> Monday morning, you go and give a piece of your mind to your right? manager, right? Uh, and then don't look back. And then, yeah, and you toil away in your garage and voila, right? I mean, yes. at some point, you have that billion dollar company. I mean, you, you don't, you don't, right? I mean, if you look at um, any of the technology successes, right? I mean, these are folks who've been working at it for months and years, I can think of Wingify, for example. Wingify was uh, for a year or so a side project, I think. I think Freshworks for quite a while was, uh, 
you know, a uh, side project before Girish went full time with it. Pretty much anything, right? I mean, uh, so so you don't have to do that all or nothing, right? So you can take calibrated risks, and risks tend to amplify your rewards, right? So yeah, like me, if you've had a middle class life. and if if you've been brought up by kind parents to 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 avoid doing foolish things yes you should avoid doing foolish things you should avoid the the very very big risks right yeah. don't do drugs don't go to jail etc uh-huh. etc et but um, uh, you should actively take risks where the downside is uh, limited but the upside is it could be infinite yeah right uh, that is also you know um, uh, something talib talks about in uh, fool by randomness which is that um, he talks about uh, probability into ex- expectation right i mean most people we look at probability and and judge outcomes by probability right i mean so for instance i mean if i were to say that there is um, let's say a 90% chance that the market were to go up 5% and uh, a 10% chance that the market were to go down 90% we are wired in such a way that we would pick the option for one right because hey there's a 90% chance that you know market might go up 5% mm-hmm. but we don't think of the downside right the downside is so much more right and so you have to look at the payout the payout is a probable probability times expectation mm-hmm. and similarly uh, so for a lot of the calibrated risks if you have a limited downside and an infinite uh, you know upside your payout is so much more right so you should actively to- take those kind of uh, risks i would yeah, say yeah yeah now i can i can completely relate to that in fact i've been very fortunate the last 9 um, years or so i've taken some really calculated risks that have paid off in a way like you know going after and joining companies like nutanix and freshworks right. like 2 years before ipo and and i think some of the principles that i used was which companies are among say the cloud 100 right. so that gives up like some of the calculated risks taking yeah. as well as being able to also see if the fundamentals are good for the company so i completely relate to what you say it's worked out uh, great uh, uh, yeah startups are uh, not the risk they were earlier yeah. uh, i feel right i mean in uh, so i've been with startups for 2000 uh, from 2008 uh and i think you know startups were so much more riskier then right because the you know there was no precedents no playbooks nothing and we were all sort of rolling the dice i would say yeah uh, but today there's a lot more money in the ecosystem mm-hmm. uh people are smarter wiser and yeah. uh, you know the opportunities have opened up mm-hmm. uh, especially in india i would say because the internet ecosystem has developed a great deal uh and thanks to things like upi our uh, internet is also monetizable so really i mean the downside for entrepreneurship and startups is 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 coming down big time yeah, yeah. and i heard some funny thing that uh, in the past if you were an entrepreneur or uh, you you worked for a company that was important when you had to get the arranged marriage stamp <laughs> but nowadays if you're a startup entrepreneur with series a funding you actually don't <laughs> get discredited yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're in the market yeah. i mean uh yeah different times you know your you would have very little love from your landlords or your prospective father-in-laws uh-huh. uh, then <laughs> right but today i mean times are different i suppose yes absolutely well coming back to the book and the series uh, you know i'd love to hear any other perspective on the insurto series uh, you know that you haven't shared earlier that the, our listeners would love reading right. about uh, i i would say start with fooled by randomness i think that's an excellent uh, first book uh, as an introduction to talib and his concepts uh, and basically what talib writes about is uncertainty right risk and probability and how do you make decisions in uncertainty um 
and the thing i love also about talib is he talks about old ideas that are practically applicable in daily life and most importantly they are grandmother proof mm. right uh, it's something that your grandmother instinctively understands mm. uh, right uh, so so that's also the opposite of uh you know your favorite bullshitter right who has to write a, a paper uh, on you know why some common sensical things exist right so so i would say start with fooled by randomness supposedly anti fragile is his best book mm-hmm. uh as i said you know i mean i've i only know of the concepts i've read some essays uh and researched a little bit but uh, have yet to read uh, uh, anti fragile and bread of crocus but yeah fooled by randomness and uh, skin in the game black swan of course i mean is is i would say i mean it's it, a lot of the concepts are covered in uh, uh, in full by randomness also right um, essentially what he says is no amount of white swans can prove the inexistence of a black swan but a single black swan is enough to prove the existence of black swans right uh, basically uh, that is to say that don't give too much of a priority or importance to historical data because the future could be uncertain right i mean let's say the market has never fallen below i don't know 13 or 14% in a day it doesn't mean that it will not fall below 13 or 14% uh, in the future right yeah. so yeah inserto i would definitely advise uh, people to read reflect and practice the concepts wonderful well do you have any additional insights uh, for the audience here today uh, one of my pet peeves is that people tend to optimize overly for productivity and not for genius i think you know we are not machines right we are not meant to clock out 8 or 9 hours of consistent work like i said you know if you look back at the year and if you can't find even a finite number of things that you are extremely proud of that you will probably talk about 5 10 15 years down the line then there's something wrong you know i've done this exercise myself and i've kind of realized that i have to change things up right so i would say optimize for genius you know sadly all of modern work is you know built to built in such a way that you do about 70% of what your cable maybe 60 70% look good enough for your kras okrs kpis whatever it is uh, and get your incentives but i would say have soul in the game yeah. you know do things for artisanal value um, do things for beyond just money uh, beyond just fun um, do things because you want to be able to talk about it proudly Nice nice love it that's a great insight uh, uh, to finish the podcast not get in, get into that rut right and just keep doing what you always keep doing but rather look for the genius right. uh, great insight uh, thank you so much uh, for being with us roshan yeah. uh, listeners check out the book skin in the game and thank you for tuning in thank you so much thanks preeti